goddess. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm their other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. He's a pretender. Is Is that a song I should know? Uh, no, it's a deep cut from Madonna's Like a Virgin album. So you shouldn't know it. It sounded like Madonna. Why'd I fall in love? Let's introduce ourselves. (laughs) Sure. Besides uh, Madonna's super fan. Uh, I'm Angel. I am a writer and a producer and an astrologer, teacher, queeler, squealer. Sometimes. Mm, Okay. But I am no snitch. Is that is that another lyric from that song? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I meant to I meant to say narc. Oh, because remember that's the the term that's been thrown around on the Real Housewives of Atlanta lately. Yes, narc is. I think Kenya was calling Drew Sedora a narc. She's a narc. I know, which is pretty hypocritical since Kenya was the one like doing the investigation exactly about who had sex with the stripper Uh, what are you gonna do what are you gonna do (laughs) and you who are you i am an avid real housewives of atlanta fan Mm -hmm. my name is brandon alter i am a spiritual healer first and foremost i'm also a tarot reader and teacher an astrologer and teacher a writer and a mystic and uh a recovering performer and uh and i'm your husband yes you are yeah Lovely. Yeah. And who are you, listener? Should yeah, we take a pause you? right now so you can introduce yourself? Yeah, just say it out loud. Yeah. I'd love it if somebody were listening to this on like the subway. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> just I don't know, they're like, and... hi. <laughs> hi. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm Tommy. <laughs> I'm nine years old. Um, we have gone down this deep, uh, hole into this Netflix series called Surviving Death. That's pretty fantastic. Actually. Yeah. So, so into it. It really like grounds investigations into the paranormal. So it begins talking about, uh, near death experiences. And then there's this two part, uh, episode on mediums. Uh, but there is one, uh, physical medium who they work with. I can't remember. Where is she from again? Sweden? Holland? Yeah, I think Holland. And um, she does these seances. Yeah. And she has like her spirit team show up. Yeah. Um, and one of them is a nine-year-old boy named Tommy. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But Tommy's now become like a bit of a character in our lives. Hi. <laughs> I'm Tommy. Yeah, she just drops into these voices. Yeah. But it's super fascinating. Yeah. And it also feels like a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like three very different types of voices. Like the first is like this like older gentleman who's like, oh, hello and welcome. Yeah, it's like Disney's haunted seance. I'm so ride. good to see you again, my dears. <laughs> I mean, we're totally making fun of it, but also I believe it's probably real. I mean, you can't pretend it all makes sense, right? No, that's, I can't. That's how we That's how we are. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's so many aspects of it that like feel real that seem real they really go into like the history of it um and they come in they have like skeptical perspectives yeah of it but then they also have some really profound 
readings that they just show. How many at least in the mediums are there? I think six, maybe. Got it. And they're all about the afterlife to some degree, right? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So it's very much like metaphysical, supernatural, um, very much in our wheelhouse here, children. Yeah. So I think if you haven't watched it, you would probably really enjoy it. Um, because it does just like come at these very, again, yeah, like supernatural, paranormal occurrences, but from like angles I haven't really seen before. Yeah. And with like a healthy dose of skepticism without prejudging it as being fake. Cause I think a lot of times what you see is that and like not leaving any space for it to be real. Yeah. And I feel like what this documentary does is a fairly balanced perspective. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm watching, and you haven't watched the near death experience one yet. No. Um, but I feel like you only see those um, stories told from from a certain angle. I had this near death experience. Here's what happened, and then it's like, Ooh, like, but is it real? You know, and and that's kind of the sensationalist version of it. But to hear these people who survived these near death experiences, and to hear even like the long term pain and suffering they go through because of the fact that no one believes them. And I feel like that's an angle I've never really heard or seen from these stories. And it's so fascinating. Well, and then it becomes quite lonely, I imagine. For sure. But I think that anyone who's had some sort of supernatural, metaphysical, spiritual experience, you know, I think that's why we end up keeping these things so private sometimes, right? Like our spiritual lives, because we don't feel like anyone's going to understand or even believe us right you know they'll think we're crazy um but here we are just letting the world know <laughs> just laying it all out there this is who we are this is what we believe i mean we keep some secrets we keep some things to ourselves but yeah it's just interesting right yeah a lot more interesting than sasquatch <laughs> okay let's not go there okay <laughs> let's not take the children there we recommend surviving death Not over Sasquatch. Sasquatch. We'll say that. Yeah. It's a red herring. That's all <laughs> I had to say. If you're expecting a hard-hitting documentary about the Bigfoot, you're not going to get it there. Just watch the new Bethany docuseries. You get more of a Sasquatchian <laughs> archetype over there than you do in the Sasquatch show. That's mean to Sasquatches worldwide. Stop. Uh, should we do a check-in? Let's do it. Hi. <laughs> I'm Tommy. I'm nine years old. Stop it. It's my pleasure to be here. See, this is why the medium people don't want to come forward. Because then here we are, mocking their spirit team. I mean, but I'm doing it from a place of love. No, I know, and I love it. It's like my favorite new thing. I mean, I'm actually afraid that one day if I keep doing this, like Tommy's actually going to show up. Yeah, exactly. And be like, hey, girl. Hey, girl. No, Tommy ain't gay. Can you imagine like a nine-year-old being like, hey, girl. <laughs> I like your nail polish. I mean, maybe. I mean, Tommy probably died in like the 1800s before it was okay for nine-year-old boys to wear nail polish. Yeah, you don't know. I don't know. Okay. We're taking this far left. <laughs> Check in with me. What's going on? What's going uh, on in your heart, my love? What is coming on in my heart? And your Hi, spirit. I'm Angel. Honestly, it's just interesting that what we were talking about, the whole, you know, presentation of self 
to some degree, right? That like we can keep pieces of ourselves hidden and, you know, what are we presenting versus uh, what we're holding back, holding back out of fear of judgment or ridicule or what have you. And uh, I've just been doing so much work around my identity lately. That's like when I'm like sitting with myself and and really doing like my own inner work. It's a lot about just really trying to deconstruct my identity, like how I got to where I am right now as the person that I am. And the further into it that I've gotten, the more I'm just really recognizing like how much my identity is tied up in what other people think. And I know we've talked about, I've talked to you somewhat about this, um, but it's just interesting, like how that lays out to just who you are, out in the, how people receive you, uh, how you're presenting, et cetera. Um, and I just never realized like how much, even just subconsciously, the idea of, oh, but what will they think? Or what will people say? Or how will people receive that was tied up in my thought process in pretty much everything I do that I will catch myself even just in like mid thought or sentence trying to correct like, well, how is this going to be received and what is it going to do to like their perception of me? Right. And obviously I think a lot of that gets tied up in, you know, queerness. You can look at it from that perspective, right? Oh, that well, it's I think like, that's a huge perspective. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. That like just to survive in the world as a queer person, you have to be preoccupied with how you're being perceived because your safety is at risk. For sure. And this is true, I think, for trans people even more so. No, definitely. And I think for myself too, it's tied up in just my cultural background and like, you know, being Latino, but not always fitting in in those spaces and sure. modulating that. Like, you know, am I being Latino enough? Am I, do I need to rein it in? It What's authentic to me? What isn't? And who's going to receive that? And how will they receive it? And um, so that's a whole fucking mind fuck. And then you have the spiritual aspect of it too, right? Because it's, and just like the metaphysical part of being an astrologer, being a tarot reader and teacher, like all of these things that I've done in my life and showing up in certain spaces and having to modulate that, right? Like, oh, well, I know pe these people may think I'm crazy, so let me pull it back. And then, oh, these are the people who like fucking love it. So like, let me go balls to the wall. And just really like over the last year, like just trying to fall in love with all the different aspects of myself and stop giving so many fucks about the outcome. But it's like a really challenging <laughs> room to be in, you yeah. know? So how are you? Let's see what's going on in my heart right now. I was talking with a friend earlier today just about how counterintuitive it feels in the sense that like we've been at home for like a really long time which sounds like very restful objectively and yet I don't feel particularly rested and so as we kind of approach this next chapter of this pandemic journey and there's more freedom to go out and to do things I'm just realizing that my like tank of resiliency is pretty close to empty and so and just giving myself permission to like have more downtime and to rest more. And I imagine I'm not the only one that's feeling that way. 
I think because of that, because I don't have the, I mean, just the power that I'm used to having or that I had before, everything just feels like it costs a little bit more. Like every engagement, every interaction, even in some ways, like every reading, like everything just, it it takes more of a toll than I'm used to things taking because I'm used to being a little bit more powered up and a little bit more resilient. And it's really easy to just kind of push through when I think surrendering to the truth of that is probably going to be more beneficial for just my health in the long run. And so I'm just kind of feeling that just like this last week has been a lot more engagement out in the world, social activity, and not like going to a party or anything, but even just like one-on-one in-person interactions while there's an element of that that's so nourishing, there's another element of it that's like pretty exhausting. And so I'm just kind of exploring the nuance of, of all of this. One of the things that I think is really interesting just about having been in isolation for so long is that as we move back out into the world, I think we understand how much more sensitive we are to each other. And in some ways that's really positive. Like we're really sensitive in terms of like needing human touch and needing that connection but we're also really sensitive in terms of like how we take on other people's energy and how other people can really deplete us if we're not careful as well. So these are just kind of the realms that I've been floating in recently. Well, yeah, it's challenging now that I think people are feeling ready to just get together and see each other. You have to really make sure that you're on the same page and it's also easy to just kind of go with the flow and making plans sometimes, right? Like, Well, yeah. And like, also like I miss people, but I also mm-hmm. think I have like 90 minutes to give and then like, I need to take a nap or like be alone again for a little bit. I can just feel it. Like as I get to 90 minutes, I just kind of start to go like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching into my reserves and there's not a lot in the reserves. So yeah, I think you have every right to do that. I don't think any people are going to fight you on it. No, I don't feel that at all. It's more just like my Aries rising that just likes to make plans and go and do things and then yeah. pick up the pieces on the other side. <laughs> and I'm just like tired of picking up the pieces. I'm really looking forward to the Mercury retrograde, honestly, because that will also be a really good like three week period for me to kind of like take a mini vacation from the external world and kind of dive inwards, mm-hmm. which is where I want to be and what I want to be doing. Yeah. Well, good. Well, soon come. All right, well, speaking of Mercury, should we jump into a little cosmic update? Let's do it. So put on your spacesuits. Let's blast off into the cosmos with this episode's Cosmic Update. So can I just start by saying that like the astrology right now is really sweet. It's like really lovely. And Mm -hmm. the next couple weeks are, I think, a really just like gentle, optimistic, encouraging astrological recipe that we haven't had in quite some time. And I just like want to lean into it and encourage everyone to like really make the most of it. Yeah. How so? What are you talking about? I'm talking about Jupiter entering into Pisces, Mm -hmm. which I think is really lovely. I'm talking about... Mercury in Gemini, 
which is, I think, lovely before we, you know, hit the retrograde, which will throw things for a loop. Talking about all these like nice Taurus placements, you know, like there's just like, there's not a lot of like hard, challenging aspects in the month of May. And I think that is really nice to embrace and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's definitely going to busy up because we're going to have both Mercury and Venus shift into Gemini um, by the end of this week. Yeah. So I think that, but Mercury but that's playful is, and yeah, it's Mercury like chatty is, and flirty and it's, you know, it, it has a, a buoyancy to it. Yeah. Mercury's very at home there. So it wants to like connect, chat, communicate, share ideas. Um, and agile. Like I think Mercury in Gemini has an agility of thinking and there's a flexibility and an adaptability and I could go here and I can do that. Like, I, you know, Gemini's when they're high vibe, they're like the perfect social butterfly. Like you can take a good Gemini to any situation and they'll fit right in. Totally. I think it's just um, in regards to what you were talking about in your check-in even, I think like that Venus shift into Gemini is going to bring out people, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be like, I want to see you. I want to hang out. Let's key. Let's do a thing. Yeah. So I think there is going to be a busyness that comes up and there's going to be, you know, similar to like when Venus was in Aries, you know, and it was like suddenly like, oh, we got to start moving. We got to start going. You know, Gemini has some of that swiftness to it as well. Yeah. So I think there is going to be some sense of that, of this kind of need to like, but I want to see you, but I want to connect with you, but I want to talk with you. And again, that's not a bad thing by any means, you know, and I think that the, the Taurus, the fact that we're still in Taurus season helps, right? Yeah. I think it helps ground it, but I think like, yeah, it's like, let's throw a blanket out and just kind of like, you know, you and me, we can lay out under the sun and have a, have a chat. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, which is nice. Yeah. But I think that Jupiter moving into Pisces is like a pretty big deal and a pretty big energetic shift that is going to be felt and appreciated. Oh, I think so too. I mean, I'm super intrigued to see how it plays. I mean, I'm just thinking that like, you know, Jupiter has not been out from under Saturn in years now. Because Jupiter right. in Capricorn and Jupiter in Aquarius was answering to Saturn and Saturn was there, like mm -hmm. watching over Jupiter, keeping Jupiter, I think a little bit tighter than Jupiter mm -hmm. wants to be. And so now Jupiter's in Pisces answering to themselves. And I think that there's just like a buoyancy and an optimism and a, and a joy that is going to be more available than we felt in some time. And it's temporary. Like it's, you know, cause then Jupiter's going to go retrograde and move back into Aquarius and finish some things up. Yeah. In July. But I really feel like until the Mercury retrograde, there's kind of a, it just feels easier. It's an easier energetic recipe in the sky yeah no i like that i mean I, I love the sound of that i'm into it i mean don't you think yeah i mean i think you know we still have mars and cancer too so it's like you kind of got to roll with the punches every few days and kind of see how that wants to express she's a bit moody i think that so there's some of the like still wants to like work from home fifth harmony um but the mar the mercury venus gemini is like but come on bitch let's go out Let's do a thing. Yeah. And depending on so, what time the moon is in. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of got to go with the flow a yeah. little bit, I think, and kind of be in the swim of it all. Yeah. But then we have that new moon in Taurus, mm -hmm. which is a really nice new moon. There's not yeah. a lot of hard aspects in that chart. And it's mm -hmm. like right before Jupiter moves into 
Pisces. Totally. So in some ways, I feel like that new moon kind of like initiates this new kind of energetic cycle that we're moving into. Yeah, I'm, I am looking forward to that new moon for sure. I yeah. feel like that is like a really good like, all right, let's ground into all the new beginnings. Because I think it's a ton of new beginnings energy right now. Yeah. Still, um, but we're actually like. But it's the exciting part of the new beginnings. It's like a spring break of new beginnings before we like have to take responsibility for them or review them or figure out which ones we're actually not going to begin at all. Like right now, it just feels a little bit more of a free for all. <laughs> Which I think is good. Like we, yeah. like we need it. Yeah. Like we need to like maybe make too many plans and realize that was too many and then scale back. Like we need to give ourselves permission to go and do the things that we haven't been able to do before and then realize like, oh, maybe I don't actually like that anymore. And that's fine. Right. Yeah. And you can ground that into all the Gemini stuff, which is like, you know, what you're thinking and who you're talking to, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, are all these ideas worth pursuing and are all these like connections worth pursuing? And then that's what the Gemini Mercury retrograde is going to be about, right? That's when you can kind of scale back. Girl, I don't even know what it's going to be about. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be to some degree about like, you know, let me second guess <laughs> myself, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, for second thought, <laughs> let me actually do this. Yeah. Is well, it, no, I guess it's on second thought. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because we had a Venus retrograde in Gemini last year. Mm -hmm. So now we have Mercury kind of doing the same thing. And so I wonder if there's... Some connection to that? Just like if the Venus retrograde was more about your relationships with other people to some degree, because that's what Venus does in Gemini. So especially like in your neighborhood with your brothers and your sisters, you know, mm -hmm. with your immediate community, then Mercury moving through it. And Mercury has much more power in Gemini than Venus did. Yeah. You know? So I do feel like there is the opportunity for like a tremendous inner restructuring mentally. Totally. Like even just like in terms of like the story you're telling about your life. Yeah. Because keep in mind, we also have this North Node in Gemini right now, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. We're going to do the astrology of the nodes. But I also think that Mercury is a trickster. For sure. And so Mercury in Gemini is the trickster in the realm of the trickster. So I'm also just concerned that there's just like, there's going to be a lot of trouble, not necessarily disaster, but I think that there, there might be a lot of, Oh, there's going to be a lot of like, Oh, I'm sorry. What I meant to say was, yeah. Or just, <laughs> like, or I'm like sorry. What did you say? Being too clever or not being clever enough or thinking you're pulling something over on somebody or even on yourself, but you're not. And having to like get clear with yourself, noticing where you've been fooling yourself to some degree. I mean, uh, it's, it's going to be a really interesting three week transit just because Mercury has all the power in a lot of ways. Right. So when everyone is acting on that, gives you a lot of who said that yeah totally who said that who said that but yeah the jupiter pisces which is toward the end of the month will be fun because it is like a total sneak peek into the larger story of next year um because yeah it's only going to dip in there through uh through some of july and then uh, it'll be back in aquarius for the rest of the year and so it's just going to kind of give a sense of like all right well what are the, what are the seeds you want to plant for next year? Totally. You know, here's like some, some directions you can go. Yeah. You know, 
And I don't think Jupiter in Aquarius is a bad placement by any means. No. And so I want to be clear that like Jupiter moving back into Aquarius isn't doom and gloom. Um, it's just a different sort of expansion. It's an expansion within some sort of parameters. Um, whereas Jupiter in Pisces is a little bit more limitless. Yeah. It's like, like let's go beyond just like the tangible world people. Yeah. Like, what are we doing for our souls? The souls of each other. That's what I'm here for. That's the conversations I'm here to have. And there's just like a lot of mutable energy, right? Like Jupiter moving into Pisces is a mutable sign. A lot of planets in Gemini is a mutable sign. And so we know mutable signs are all about like adaptation and evolution and preparing for the shift from one season to the next. And so I do think that that's also something that's going to be really useful because we are all in the shift between like the season of pandemic and whatever comes next. And that's not to say by any means that the pandemic is over. I mean, I know we talk about it because we live here in America and it's a very different situation here in the States than it is around the world. But we're definitely seeing like, just thinking about India right now and what's happening there and that the pandemic story is by no means over. Like we were just saying yesterday in the car, I said to Angel, I'm so glad that we had astrology this past year because it was a neutral source of information that we could check in with beyond like the CDC and news outlets and just like popular belief. And astrology did not lead us astray at all no. in terms of the story of the pandemic as it evolves. And just looking at the astrology of the rest of the year, you know, we're, we're out of the darkest part of the woods, but we haven't cleared the forest yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's just like, important for all of us to understand that like we're like we're still in it oh definitely and so it'll be interesting if the mercury retrograde has anything to to regress in terms of that as well which is why i'm just saying for these next couple weeks to have at it everybody (laughs) (laughs) all right i know but seriously be responsible no but i but i'm saying like but you gotta enjoy enjoy while you can enjoy yeah and just learn enjoyment again, too. Yeah. I feel like that's been a theme that's come up for me in a lot of my readings with people is like people having to like relearn joy because it's been such a traumatic year. Yeah. So it's like, all oh, right, like I can have fun on a daily basis, you know? And also reattuning to like what joy is for you. Yeah. Like I remember when I got sober, I was like, what is fun without a joint? Because I was so accustomed to like fun being getting high, you know? And so I had to go like, oh, I actually don't know what fun is. So I think for all of us, there might be that reconsideration. Remember those times? Yeah. (laughs) What was that like? When you were searching for fun? Yeah. It was heavy. (laughs) Was it? A little bit, yeah. Interesting. But now you're super fun. Am I? (laughs) <laughs> yeah okay good <laughs> you don't feel like you are not right now oh well yeah you're super fun that's good <laughs> i mean i remember one of the first things to me that was like oh you know what's fun is brandana summer i was like brandana summer is a lot of fun i mean I she's mean, a lot of work but she's, she's also everybody's a lot of fun. fun so that was like the first thing i did in sobriety i was like let's put a show on we're still brandana. waiting for the return well, speaking of low reserves, honey, you're going to keep waiting a little bit. <laughs> She's got to put it on the calendar and plan toward it. Leo season. Not ready. She should come out for her birthday. Maybe. Oh, jeez. 
I'm trying, people. You can't I'm really force trying it. for all of you. You can't force it, you know? I've heard and I've seen the, the comments. I've heard the asks. I'm working on behalf of the people here. All right, shall we segue? Let's do it. Let's segue. All right. So from the outer reaches of space to the depths of your heart, it's time for this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. Dive. Splash. <laughs> Gave you a visual, didn't it? It did. It like really did. in the water. Splash. Maybe think of like when a whale, you know, like does like the breach and then just like goes down. Sploosh. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to see that whale for a long time. We're talking about the nodes. <laughs> the nodes. They're known as the nodes of fate. Mm-hmm. They're the lunar nodes. Every planet actually has a set of nodes. When I was younger, I actually had vocal nodes. I was going to say. What are vocal notes? They're like polyps on your throat because I was a screamer. Didn't know about voice support back then. And mm-hmm. I had to go to the doctor and they like numbed my throat and put like a camera down there so they could look and see. Oh, jeez. Yeah. They were nodules, which I think is like a more advanced progression of, of nodes. It's making me nauseous. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> anyway, I recovered. Uh... But we realized we'd never done an episode on the nodes, and it's good timing to talk about the nodes because the nodes are very much connected to eclipse season, which <sighs> is, in fact, a season that we will be entering into uh, pretty soon. Yeah. Um, we have the new moon in Taurus, but then that full moon in Sagittarius is an eclipse, and it takes us into eclipse season, which happens about every six months or so. Yeah, I feel like it's always like in and around Cancer, isn't it? What? Eclipse season. Well, it has been for a while. Yeah. Just because that's where the the nodes nodes are. Exactly. So eclipse season happens when the sun or the moon get within about 18 and a half degrees or closer of the nodes. So you can actually look at your own birth chart. And if you have the sun or the moon within 18 and a half degrees of the north or the south node, you too were born during an eclipse season. You're an eclipse baby like me. Yeah. Um, but we're not talking about eclipses today. In fact, I think there's an episode where we did talk about eclipses. I think there was, but we also thought there was one about the nodes. And, and there wasn't. Out, there wasn't. <laughs> so the nodes are a big placement in a chart, as big as a planet, maybe even bigger, uh, but they're not a planet. They are a calculation that exists between two orbits, and it's the orbit of the moon around the Earth and the orbit of the Earth around the sun. And where these two orbits intersect is where the north and the south node are. And of course, because we're moving all the time, the nodes move and they move backwards through the zodiac, changing signs about every 18 months or so. Right. So right now, the nodes are uh, north node Gemini, south node Sagittarius. Uh, Last year, they were Cancer Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And they're moving towards uh, Taurus Scorpio. Right. Which will be wild, which are my nodes. Oh. Yeah. I'll have a nodal return. Interesting. Yeah. And you have a nodal return um, about every 18 years, I think. 18 to 22 years. Well, how long does it take to go? I thought it was like a year. No, it's longer. No, no, no. So it's like 18 months or something? Yeah. Got it. 
So when we think about the nodes, and they are they operate as a set, you know, the north node is always going to be featured in your chart. The south node is not always featured in your chart, but it's literally always going to be the opposite. So if your north node is Aquarius, your south node is Leo. If your north node is Aries, your south node is Libra, the same degree, because they operate as this set moving through the sky. So I'm curious, like if we think about the nodes as this place where the orbit of the moon and the orbit of the earth intersect, how does that inform what they might signify in a chart? Well, I think it's interesting that they involve the sun and the moon, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about uh, the sun's place in astrology is that soul essence that then connects us to our identity, how we identify, and that moon essence, which is that heart center, right? How we love ourselves, how we um, connect with ourselves, live with ourselves emotionally. It does feel like there's um, some sort of balance there that the nodes also play a part in, right? How to balance our inner worlds and our identity and to integrate them in some way. Yeah. A synthesis. A synthesis. That's a great word. Yeah. And I think that we talk about the North Node as being like the trajectory of the soul. And there's like this synthesis, no matter what your sun is, no matter what your moon is, no matter what your rising is, the North Node is the place where it kind of all comes together. It's what your soul wants to learn. In some ways, I think that North Node is really hungry for like new experience. And so it's what your soul is kind of hungering for to develop a sense of mastery over. Yeah, and I think it's really important when talking about the nodes to talk about the fact that the nodes are a soul story. Right. You know, when we're talking about planets like Mercury or Venus or Mars, they're really connecting us deeply to our existence here on Earth and mm -hmm. how we operate. They're personal planets. Exactly. Um, but the nodes are really interested in our soulful evolution yeah. here as beings. So they are going to speak to how we operate to some degree, but there's a lot of connection to things like past lives and karma and things of that nature when you're talking about uh, the nodes yeah. and, and that soul's evolution. So on one hand, uh, it's valuable to uh, just consider your own relationship with, okay, am I a soul and have I existed over many lifetimes? I mean, I think if you're coming to astrology, that's not like strange knowledge to you or strange ideas to you or it's something you haven't contemplated. Um, but I think it, it does become more helpful to approach the node story from that perspective, because a lot of what the South node represents then is, you know, traits, energy types, ways of being that we, our soul, I should say, has existed in previously. Mm -hmm. So we come into this lifetime on some level, knowing, understanding, and I'd even say like resting on. Right. And as part of our soulful evolution in this lifetime, the goal is to lean more toward that North Node, but then synthesize the two. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, the South Node is like what I'm leaving behind, which I think it gets a lot of it gets easily boiled down to. And I think there is a component of that. I think it's just don't get stuck there. 
don't get stuck there. Because the North Node is probably not going to be an energy. I mean, if you have other planets in that sign, perhaps you have a little bit more comfort with that energy. Yeah. But generally, if the North Node is where your soul is evolving, you're probably going to be a little resistant to it. Because when you're learning something, you're not that good at it at first. And so you're like, eh, I don't know if I really want to be here. So there can be a lot of resistance, I find, around that North Node at first, because you'd much rather just be in the South Node where you have a lot of wherewithal and agency and experience. Right. And so that's where I think we do release some of that South Node stuff just so that we can learn something new. Yeah. And we always look at the Zodiac from a place of polarity. And I think it's really helpful to approach your nodes as nodes and not just focus on the North Node. Like, okay, I have to grow into this. So let me just focus on that. Yeah. You know, it is really important to understand the polarity of the two. So it's like, oh, okay, how am I fully evolving into this yeah, pure expression of this polarity's core essence. Totally. And your nodes will be affected by other planets. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are like particular angles, if you have planets conjunct your north or your south node, that's certainly going to change things to some degree. Do you have any planets conjunct your nodes? I do. I have Mercury Venus. Conjunct your... My, nor- my south node. Oh, interesting. So. What do you make of that? Well, on one hand, I think that I uh, think I came into this lifetime with a lot of carrying a lot of knowledge I had from past lives and past experiences. And a lot of beauty. And a lot of beauty. I don't know about... And a lot of jokes. Oh, because of the Venus? A lot of jokes. Yeah, that's why I'm... Well... I feel like Mercury Venus that is... Could be, that could be a read, though. Are my, Venus, are my jokes stale? No, I just did <laughs> it that way. Did they come from past lives? Well, you always talk about Mercury Venus as like being the sign of the writer, but I also think it's a sign of like a really good sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Because when yeah, Mercury yeah. and Venus get together, they're like, they're just like, the, the library's open. They're having a tea party all the time, you know? Like, no matter where they are, they're having a good time to right. some degree. It's the mark of charm. Yeah, it can be. Um, so, yeah. I came in here with old charm, maybe not, old world maybe charm. Maybe not to rest on that charm too much. Oh yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank, how dare you? And I think it, there's a big element of like karmic relationships for me. I feel like I definitely came into this lifetime like directly connecting with a lot of people who I had to like finish business up with. That's a really interesting. Which has come up in a lot of like readings for me. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. But I do think it becomes hard for me to move outside of those relationships mm. toward the new ones. But that's, you know, when we get into like the signs and the houses that they're in. So Totally. So the nodes, if you've never explored them in your chart, can actually be really illuminating for you. And the interesting thing about the nodes is that because they change signs about every 18 months or so, you'll find that like the people you went to high school with, how y'all have the same nodal placement because about you know, everybody born in those same 18 months are kind of moving towards the same thing. So I talk about it as a traveling group, um, like a little family and everybody that you kind of find in that family all want the same thing essentially. So it's interesting for me, just like with some of my closest friends from high school, because we all have North node Taurus, South node Scorpio, that is different as we all are. Some of our desires and as we get older and we kind of keep track of what the others want and are moving towards are very much in line with those nodes. And so you might find that, um, you know, people that share your nodes can really help you with your fate, with your destiny, because I mean, that's why they're called the nodes of fate. So that's the natal nodes, the nodes as they transit, they can trigger faded events 
and acts of destiny, but also just this, what are we moving towards as a collective and what are we moving away from as a collective? And so right now with North Node Gemini, South Node Sagittarius, we're kind of getting a sense of that. Right, right. So, you know, this is a podcast, not a class, so we're not going to linger too long um, because we've lingered too long in places already here today. But I think we should just go through the Zodiac real fast and just give a couple of words or phrases that people might, um, you know, kind of connect to. Mm-hmm. For nodal placements, does that sound good? Yeah. Well, I think we can even just approach that from a polarity perspective. So let's just start at the beginning. So if your north node is in Aries, it means your south node is in Libra. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Aries north node is a soul that wants to learn about leadership, wants to learn about innovation to some degree, and autonomy. Um, you know, the Aries is the sign of the self. And so South node Libra means that we're maybe releasing codependency. Um, we're, you know, aware that we have gifts with relating to other people, but we want to make sure that we're not reliant on other people to get things done. Yeah. I'd say you, you may have trouble putting yourself first. Like that's the struggle, right? Is how to focus more so on yourself and your own needs as opposed to just making yourself a partner for whoever needs one. Right. Because that's the easy placement there. Right. This is just kind of... What do you want me to do? What do you think I should do? Let's do this together. Exactly. As As opposed to like, if you really want something and somebody's like, well, I don't want that. And you go like, okay, well, I'll just put it on the back burner. It's like, no, Aries North Node, like get it done on yourself. Get it done on your own. Yeah. It's like River and Courtney in the circle. (laughs) We're not. We don't have time for that. Let's invert them, which is your placement. So if you have North Node in Libra, South Node in Aries, the inverse is kind of true to some degree. Yeah? Yeah. Like you're really good at putting yourself first. And so learning how to partner is part of what your soul is desirous of. Collaboration. And a sense of like balance and equanimity that can only happen in relationship. Yeah. You have to push yourself toward collaboration and learning how to be in that space. Cause that's only going to then help you learn, grow, yeah. push yourself out of, you, you know, that place of being stuck. And then ultimately the idea between either of these is to, to remember that like your own needs are just as valuable as the needs of your partner's. And I feel like, so either way, it's about like synthesizing your place in a partnership. Yeah. It's about the right balance in relationships. Exactly. Finding that sweet spot between me and you. Right. Or me and us. Me, you, and us. (laughs) Me, you, us, and them. Me, you, us, (laughs) them, and the world. Well, that just actually gets more into Leo and Aquarius. Yeah. Okay, great. So then Taurus Scorpio. So if you have North Node in Taurus, South Node in Scorpio, and keep in mind that the South Node is kind of like what you have a knack with, like you just come in with a knack with it. So, you know, South Node in Scorpio, you have a knack with other people's money. You have a knack with the darkness. You have a knack with sex and transformation. Power. Power. And so North Node in Taurus means like moving towards more simple pleasure, moving towards like being able to take care of yourself, taking care of your own money, not being reliant on other people for power. Um, and really like a connection with the earth and not the surface of things, but with like the simple pleasures of being alive, 
because yeah. that South Node and Scorpio can really drive you more into like an understanding of like psychology and what's hidden, and you can lose the the tactile and sensual pleasures that Taurus brings to us, which is how to be connected to the earth, how to be in the here and now. Yeah, we refer to this polarity as the you know the polarity of life and death. So I think there's something to just Taurus helping you enjoy life as opposed to just kind of focusing on the intensity of it. Right. And Scorpio kind of thrives on being uncomfortable. Right. And making other people uncomfortable. (laughs) And Taurus wants nothing more than to be comfortable. So North Node and Taurus is kind of about like learning to find comfort and learning to surrender to it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not always needing things to be like at a pitch, which is where Scorpio really thrives. Like learning that just because something isn't intense doesn't mean it's not valuable. Yeah. So the converse of that is that Scorpio North Node is like pushing you to be more in your power, more in your, you know, in your passion, you know, to really push for things that you want. And to dig deep. Yeah. And to like dive into the like what's going on in the depths of your own psychology as opposed to just kind of like keeping it chill. Right. And be which willing, is easy. Yeah. To sacrifice your comfort that you are really good at acquiring mm-hmm. because there's a transformation that's that's wanting to happen for you. Right. Through confronting your own psychological deaths, there's greater new life to be had. For sure. It's a powerful placement, North Node and Scorpio. Yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, just that synthesis of it is, you know, standing at the center. And either way, just really learning how to be present to life and to enjoy life, but without you know, manipulating others into your own concepts of enjoyment. Mm. Or manipulating others so that you can get what you want. All right. Gemini Sag, where we are now. Exactly. So North Node Gemini, South Node Sagittarius. So North Node in Gemini is really about your soul's desire to move towards a deeper understanding of your own personal identity. And it's also like a really creative soul. And so it's a soul that wants to learn about connection through conversation and creativity and ideas. And it's very personal. Remember that Gemini is our personal air sign, whereas Sagittarius is a collective fire sign. And so the South Node in Sagittarius means that you're already coming in with a really big wherewithal around like big cultural concepts, you know, big collective stories, um, seeking a lot of worldly truths and understandings and to not rely on that, but to really find what's true for you personally. Yeah. And really get to know yourself. You know, I feel like a Gemini, that North, no Gemini, like really needs to question it, question themselves, learn to understand themselves, learn to understand why they think the way they do. There's a psychological element there. Um, Not that it has to be that heavy, by any means. No, it's more playful psychology yeah. than Scorpio psychology. Yeah. But I also think there's like an extraction that needs to happen. Like your own personal story does not have to come from like the collective myth, mm-hmm. which feels like Sagittarius. Right. And so releasing that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about like South Node and Sagittarius is like releasing the old quest, mm. releasing the old myth which is, I think, what we're doing right now, collectively, because that's where things are happening. But if you have this placement natally, it means that like it might be really easy for you to just like take on the old myth or the old quest, you know, to kind of put on that mantle and to ride with it, as opposed to going like, well, why am I slaying this dragon in the first place? Like, actually, I like this dragon. Right. 
He's a friend. Maybe we should go on an adventure together. <laughs> no, yeah. Right? Like, where's that story? Oh my God, where is that story? I don't know. The knight who like goes to slay the dragon and realize like the dragon's super cool and they just like go on an adventure together. I don't know. Was that maybe some of How to Train Your Dragon? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't watch those movies. <laughs> so maybe that already happened. There you go. All right. What are you going to do? Um, there are no new stories. But I also think there is something to the idea of just like you have the knowledge when you're coming from that South Node Sag, um, but you may not know how to communicate it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the Gemini is. It's like pushing you to communicate what you know. And to question it too, to some degree, because South Node Sagittarius might have you coming in as a know-it-all. And so that North Node Gemini is like, okay, well, let's question it all. Let's keep questioning right. it. Maybe there's no such thing as like the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that converse is really taking yourself just out of your own mental bubble yeah. and pushing you out into the world to get curious beyond just you and who you are, you know, and that there is like a lot more exploration to do in this lifetime. So that Gemini South node may be cool. Just kind of like being in its own little world, its own little neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But Sagittarius is like, get on a plane, a boat, get in your car, get on a train like, go you're a citizen of the world baby yeah so it's like pushing you out of your inner box yeah your immediate comfort zone Mm -hmm. and also just like the box of your own story that you're telling yourself and being careful that you don't become like really insular and really kind of calcified in your identity remembering that identity keeps moving yeah but yeah i think in all yeah it's synthesizing yeah like what you know and how you communicate it with others you know, and making sure that it's, there is that inner outer conversation going on. Yeah. And then Cancer Capricorn. So North Node Cancer, South Node Capricorn. Mm. Well, Cancer North is like move towards the heart, right? Move towards what you feel. Move towards what you know intuitively to be true. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what you know, that gonna Capricorn make you a bunch of money. pragmatism is telling you to do. Yeah. Being driven by money, ambition, what have you, that cancer is like, all right, well, I got to push myself and be driven by just what I feel. Yeah. It's an intuitive soul. Mm-hmm. Which that, can be really uncomfortable yeah. for a Capricorn South node. Right. Because you're used to like using your wits and getting a lot of validation in terms of like status and outer approval. That's very Capricornian. Yeah. Whereas cancer is about like the inner approval. Yeah. So in a way it's like, how do I take all of the like practical knowledge and understanding that I've come in with and apply my intuition to it? Right. You know, so that I can actually move forward, progress. Whereas when you flip that, it's about not just relying on your intuition and not just staying hidden because cancer can be kind of a hidden sign yeah, to some degree to be a home. and using that Capricorn North note to like get out into the world, to build something big for people yeah, and to not be afraid of having ambition, to not be afraid of having a big dream. Mm-hmm. And there's something, you know, both Capricorn and cancer in some ways are signs that come with walls, but Capricorn is more exposed than Cancer because Capricorn is really wanting to assert and to prove. And so that South Node in Cancer might really struggle to some degree to really 
give themselves permission to be vulnerable, to have a dream, to go after something, even mm-hmm. if you fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and not letting, because cancer is such an emotional sign, not letting the emotion overrule the ambition to some degree. Totally. I feel like Under the Tuscan Sun is a perfect example of the integration, the synthesized integration of the Cancer Capricorn nodal polarity. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because she was quite ambitious in terms of like rebuilding that villa in Italy, but it was also completely like a gut instinct, just like stop the bus, I'm going to buy this thing. Yeah. And it was also about like rehabilitating her heart. Right, exactly. So that actually feels like probably North Node Cancer, South Node Capricorn, don't you think? Yeah, but it's also a little bit of, you know, I feel like that's why it's the perfect synthesis, right? Of like, you could kind of like... Go either way. Go either way if you're like playing in the pure core center of it. Totally. I just think because like she left the city, she left Capricorn and she like went to Cancer, she went to the country. Right, but she also like was driven like to ambitiously pick up and move to a whole other country to do so. As opposed to just like, I live in New York and I'm going upstate. True. True. Either way, just revisit it. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. One of my favorites. (laughs) Uh, All right. Now we are in the land of... Leo Aquarius. Aquarius. Right. So North Node Leo, South Node Aquarius. Put on your dance shoes, Leo North Node. Get out your ring light. Yeah. It's a soul that wants to play and like be a part of the party. Mm -hmm. it's a soul that wants to express. There's a lot of creativity here and it's a soul that doesn't want to hide. And so if you have North Node in Leo, you might find that at first you are shy or you are uncomfortable with the spotlight or letting yourself be seen because you're coming in with that South Node Aquarius vibe, which is like, I already have a knack with like hiding in the shadows, observing, being a voyeur, you know, things of that nature. Right. Being more concerned with the collective as opposed to like myself. Yeah, get seen, be seen. Whereas if you flip it and your south node's in Leo and your north node's in Aquarius. Sit back. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Reel it in. And I would say if your south node is in the first six signs of the zodiac, there is a invitation for your soul to be a little less self-absorbed. Right. Or to use like the things you already know about yourself and love about yourself and put them to work in the, uh, in the polar, in the polar for signs. the world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For the world. Yeah. Whereas if you come in with the opposite, it's like, take what you know of the world, take your desire to be out in the world and use your gifts for yourself. Yeah. Apply it to you. Like you deserve to be, you deserve to be a recipient of the same gifts that you give so freely to other people. Yeah. And the Leo Aquarius polarity is the perfect like distilled uh, example example of that that. for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah, with an Aquarius North node, it is very much about moving toward community toward, you know, inventing, innovating for the larger collective as opposed to just like home renovations for yourself. You got to learn how to sit in a circle as opposed to be on stage. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, is when you sit in a circle, you get your time to shine. It's just that everyone else gets time to shine too. Right. And yeah, if you're in a circle, you can still be inspiring others in the circle to be their brightest selves too. It's just not the circle isn't named after you. Exactly. So now moving to Virgo Pisces. Right. Yeah. At the core, 
healing. Yeah, North Node Virgo, South Node Pisces. How do you be a healer? Yeah. And with that Virgo North Node, it's like being more of a healer for the external world. Yeah, you healing. Know, for the physical world, I should say. Healing the body. Yeah. And being of service for people in tangible ways. Finding ways to like actually, um, or environments where you can uh, put your service uh, to good use. Whereas that Pisces North Node is much more being like in service to spirit, in service to imagination, to creativity. It's more of a internal healer, right? Spiritual healer. Right. The invisible world healer. Whereas like the Virgo North Node is like the massage therapist, the acupuncturist, the apothecary. But it's also giving a container or organizing all of that kind of intuitive wisdom that comes through with that Pisces South Node. Mm -hmm. It's like it needs a place to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're already coming in with all of the like intuitive psychic knowledge. Um, so yeah, how do you tangibly put it to practice as opposed to like, I have a Virgo South Node, so I'm like a killer with spreadsheets but now I need to apply it to some sort of creative or spiritual um, or artistic you know, pursuit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, my just inherent ability to organize and analyze and detail. Right. But there's a tendency, I think, for form over function mm -hmm. to some degree there, you know? Yeah, it'd be easy to just kind of like take the accounting job with the South Node Virgo. Yeah. But it's like, how do you... Instead, go paint with numbers, mm. you know? Totally. Something along those lines. Go make a tarot deck. Totally. That's all numerology-based. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, that core story is all about healing. Well, and the, and the right relationship of the body and the soul. Yeah. So it's like Virgo leans a little too far into the body. Pisces leans a little too far into the soul. It's like we got to find a place where they can come together. And we're finding one through the other. Like we're finding the soul through the body in exactly. Virgo and we're finding the body through the soul in Pisces because Pisces can be just totally out to lunch. And it's like, no, you got to come back. We got to ground a little bit. So that's where that Virgo North node is like, no, no, come back to reality. Come back to earth. Yeah. And you can really, I like the way you said that because I think you can look at all of them in that way, right? It's like even just taking a step back to Leo Aquarius, it's like you can come to pure ego expression through a connection with community, or you can come to a connection with community through utilizing your pure ego expression. Totally. You, you know? can come to life through death or you can come to death through life. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think this is all in general, just a good way to really think about um, oppositions in astrology in general, um, because a lot of the time uh, the aspect of oppositions is seen as kind of like this sort of seesaw you know, it's right. like I either can like be in one or the other, you know, it becomes, that's why it's that opposing energy, you know, the, the, the goal is to learn how to integrate and synthesize both of them, right? To kind of utilize them as one large giant gift as opposed to two opposing forces, right? That it's like, I can either go here or I can go there. And I, th I do think that is like the grander invitation of the North-South node polarity, is they are opposite, they are always opposing each other. So approach them like you would approach an opposition in learning how to integrate and synthesize the two as one large giant gift, as opposed to like 
um, either like in my old South Node ways or I'm in my new North Node ways. Yeah. You know, there is no either or. And I think if you can just let the South Node do its thing, like you're going to bring that South Node energy with your attention on it. It's already there. Um, I mean, other you know, planets and transits can affect that to some degree, but it's like, let the North node really be a place of focus. And for some of you, you know, like for me, I don't have anything else in Taurus besides North node. I mean, I have Ceres, which counts, but for most people that don't work with the asteroids, it's like, you might have the North node in a sign where there's nothing else there. And so it's really important for you to go like, oh, well, this is an energy that my soul is yearning to move towards. Yeah. And it can really fill in a big hole in your chart. For sure. And in your heart. No. Hi. <laughs> um, a really great resource for everyone, if you want to dive deeper, is Jan Spiller's book, Astrology for the Soul. Yeah, this book is insane. It's going to read you for filth. Jan Spiller spills the tea of your soul. Yeah, it gives you some really good descriptions. Um, for me, I felt like one of the greatest lessons I learned from there was, and this was like back in the day when I first read it and I was applying this, was I have a 12th house south node and you know, it was like, if you have that polarity of 12th house, 6th house, like stop getting readings and like go like wash the dishes, you know, or like go, you know, like, you're not going to heal by, like, just getting readings. And, like, that was how it was for me. Like, once I discovered readings, I was like, I'm getting readings every week. I'm getting readings all the time. I'm giving myself readings all the time, you know? But it's like you just kind of stay in that space of, like, of getting, seeing the knowledge or seeing, I shouldn't even say the knowledge, seeing the answers and playing in that, but never really applying them. Right. Because that sixth house really wants to integrate, like, every day. Exactly. So it's like, now I'm like, all right, I get maybe one, two readings a year. <laughs> the rest of the time, I'm just like struggling desperately to integrate the information. You're thriving. Thanks, babes. You're thriving. <laughs> um, all right, well, getting your nodes, peeps. Get your nodes done. Get your nodes on. Get a nodes job. <laughs> oh my gosh. We have one and we just did it. Well, let's... Uh... Let's finish up with a little tarot card for the episode. Do it, do it. So just take a moment and connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. Just knowing that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. I'm just asking for one card to give us the power we need to move forwards in a good way. The Knight of Cups Reversed. Go on. So this is a complex one here because the Knight of Cups is pretty complex. Knights are movers. In Cups, we're moving through emotions. And the way we do it with the Knight of Cups is to cultivate a Zen-like space, is to give ourselves permission to observe what we're feeling without necessarily getting swept up. Because when you get swept up, you actually solidify it as opposed to just letting it move through you. So Knight of Cups is suggesting find a balance between your own water and your own air. Find a balance between being present for your emotions without letting them take you completely outside of yourself. There's a observer quality to this. It's like, I call it the family dinner card because it's like when you're getting triggered and it's very easy to just like react and respond and just like get pulled into that old pattern of how you are with your family. Whereas if you're really embodying Knight of Cups, it's an opportunity to observe the patterns and then maybe even like 
not engage with them. And in that way, like you move those old triggers and patterns out of your system. But she came in reversed, which to me sometimes suggests like there's a healthy holding back of this energy. And so sometimes I think when the Knight of Cups comes in upside down, and this is what's coming through for me right now is like, don't be so objective in this moment. Like give yourself permission actually to be swept up in your emotions right now so that you can really understand them. Sometimes we don't understand things until we put ourselves into them. Like it's one thing to observe the lion. It's another thing to get into the lion's den. Probably dangerous. But in this case, it's not dangerous. It's your heart and your emotions are teachers. And so sometimes this Knight of Cups, if we're always observing the emotions and not giving ourselves permission to experience them, what we're actually doing is trying to protect ourselves. And in trying to protect ourselves, we're actually prolonging a process um, and so just notice that notice where you are shifting into your head and out of your heart because it's more comfortable where you're like psychoanalyzing as opposed to just letting yourself feel what you need to feel. Sometimes we do the psychoanalyzing because we're trying to separate ourselves from our emotions because we don't feel like we have a right to experience them or we're judging our emotions unnecessarily, as opposed to recognizing that our emotions are a language. And that they're not out to get us, but they're actually out to communicate with us from someplace deeper that we're not always in touch with. And you can't get that deeper communication just through the head, just through the psychology. So that's kind of where I would encourage everybody to move this week is to actually let yourself get swept up a little bit in what you're feeling and, and notice where it's trying to take you. Don't try to circumvent the process by being too clever, by being too um, aloof or a scientist of your own emotional life. Feel, feel, feel. And it's also like very Mars and Cancer, right? Just like let yourself feel. Let yourself feel all the different feelings. Let yourself be compelled by the different feelings. Let yourself want one thing on Monday and another thing on Thursday. Yeah. All right. Well, you gave the permission, so watch out, sister. Oh, girl. You live with a feeler. Girl, don't I know it. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And... You can always find us um, at our website, thespiritualgaze.com. That's the best place to find out everything about whatever um, breathwork sessions we have coming up, astral clubs, classes, and how to uh, look into healings and readings with us. Yeah. Um, but you can also find us on Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze, Twitter at Spiritual Gaze, Facebook at The Spiritual Gaze, all the things. And if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a review or rate us five stars, oh, yeah, please do, because that makes a big difference. And lastly, I just want to mention that we have a brand new course that we're oh, going to be opening up for registration. It's happening. This is our little summer school course. It's called Spirit Worlds and Exploration in Animism. And so this is a course that I've been wanting to teach for a long time, and I'm pretty much done kind of channeling the curriculum of it. And this is a course all about working with spirits. This is about journeying. This is about healing and power and connecting with nature. And it's going to be super fun and super playful. And it's also going to allow you to explore some healing skills and how to be a healer to yourself, but also to other people. And so this is just going to be five weeks. It starts on, I believe, Wednesday, June 23rd, and it's going to be Wednesday nights from 5 to 7 p.m. for just five Wednesdays in a row. And it's going to be a really magical, really powerful, very experiential class. This is not a class that's about like learning and notes and theory. This is a class about practice, about like diving in safely 
actually learning how to work with spirits and move into altered states and to really experience the power of the invisible world and to let that help infuse your life. It's actually like very, I'm, as I'm talking about, it, I'm like, oh God, this is so North Node, Taurus, South Node, Scorpio, because it's all about like what's seen and what isn't seen and letting them empower that like mm-hmm. what isn't seen, Scorpio can really help empower what is Taurus. So you'll find more information about that on the website, probably starting next week. I'm going to try to get that curriculum out um, really soon. And the goal is to open up registration right around that new moon in Taurus. Certainly by the time Jupiter moves into Pisces, registration will be open for that. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us via email or all the other ways that Angel just talked about. And the course is in July, right? I think it starts at the very end of June. Oh, yeah, because it's cancer season. Yeah, so I think it starts, I believe, Wednesday, June 23rd, yeah, and then takes us just five weeks. So there you go. All right, babies. All right, take care of yourselves. Thanks for being here. We cherish you. Very much so. And um, if we don't see you soon somewhere, we'll see you in the cosmos. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual game.